This week I talked to Bella Williams, founder of the Fierce Girls Guide to Finance. Bella makes finance simple and we talk about how and why she set up her blog and the success she's had with it. Welcome to episode 188 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This is the podcast for ideas and inspiration on marketing your business and growing your business and for discussing topics on all things finance. I'm Roger Edwards, a marketing guy and keynote speaker from Edinburgh. Talk to me if you want to cut the BS and the complexity from your marketing strategy. Hey folks, and welcome to the Marketing Finance Podcast. Thanks as always for downloading or streaming the show. I really do appreciate it. Before we dive into this week's interview with Bella Williams, just want to let you know a couple of slots have opened up in my online marketing program. So if you fancy getting a bit of coaching about your marketing, maybe you're looking to put together a social media plan or just a content calendar, get in touch at rogeredwards.co.uk and it'd be really good to work with you. So let's talk to Bella Williams. We chat about what attracted Bella to financial services, why it's important to simplify complex terms, how Bella set up her website, why you need to plan your communications messages, why she's passionate about helping women understand finance, and Bella's advice for women wanting to work in financial services. So let's get straight into that interview with Bella right here on the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Bella, welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thank you. Bella, tell me, where are we Zooming each other from today? I'm in Edinburgh, UK, as always. I am in. Surrey Hills, which is uh, in Sydney, inner city, Sydney, Australia. You're probably one of the guests on the show who lives furthest away from me, Bella. So this is really interesting to talk to you. And of course, it's quite uh, early evening for you and early morning for me. So quite a big time difference as well. Beautiful sunny day here in Edinburgh. I feel happy that I am going global. (laughs) Bella, you have started an intriguing website. It's called the Fierce Girls Guide to Finance. And I'd really like to explore with you today how you came up with the idea for the website, what the reasons were for putting it together, how it's developed, who it appeals to, and what sort of feedback you've been getting from it. But before we get into that, give me a little bit of background about yourself. Where did you come from? How did your career develop? And basically, what makes Bella tick? Well, you know, I'm a a strange addition to the financial services industry because I came out of a very classic degree of English, history, French and Latin. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I I basically fell into PR and fell into sort of corporate and financial PR and I actually was like, the first time I ever read the business section of of the newspaper, I was like, oh, this is actually quite interesting. And I got and I got more and more into it. So I've worked for all different uh, clients in PR agencies over the years. You know, big global corporates, um, big global asset managers, uh, lots of sort of wealth managers and financial advisors. Then right down to you know small independent fund managers or advisors. So I've I've really seen uh, the financial services industry from every angle. I developed a, a nerdy love of it, really. <laughs> so I went. Out, I went away and got some more credentials in, in applied finance so I could talk the talk a little bit more convincingly. So now I'm, um, I run the, the PR and communications for a fund manager here in Australia. 
and you work in a big tower. That's what it says on your on your website. <laughs> big tower, I do. It is a big tower. There's, there, I've literally worked on the same block in the city for most of my career. It's, it's a bit like your London city, but it's reduced to about two or three blocks. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's the Sydney Financial District. Well, of course, in London, the only way they can build is up now because there's just no space left to, to spread out. What what would you say it was about financial services, Bella, that that just ticked the boxes for you? Because let, let's be honest, um, I'm sure it's the same in Australia as it is in the UK. Financial services isn't usually the career choice, the number one career choice for young people these days. So what was it that attracted you about financial services in the first place? it's the I like I like taking complex information and helping to simplify it and explain it to people that's been like a a theme of my career I I mean I've worked for all sorts of professional services I guess like management consultants and um, recruitment consultants but I really I landed on financial services I think because it I don't know money is what makes everything tick right (laughs) it's at the core of so many things and yeah, it's fascinating how it all fits together. It's like a big puzzle of, you know, all these asset classes and all these different ways to distribute your products. And I don't know, it's just, I think it really had that intellectual hook for me. It's quite interesting because you said before you'd done English, Latin, et cetera, all those languages. To a certain extent, financial services might as well be a foreign language to some people, mightn't it? Because as you say, we use all this complicated language. A lot of the products are quite complicated, whether it's an investment or a pension or a fund or a, a an insurance policy, a life insurance policy, a critical illness policy. They're always laden with jargon and complex language. And yeah, I can understand why people find it quite complicated. Yeah. And I think it, there's a really important role for people like myself and probably like you to bridge that gap. Like I, you know, I work with some really smart, talented product structurers um, and portfolio managers. And, you know, there's a guy that I work with who has a PhD in finance. <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> he's, he's legit, really smart, but you, you know, I was sitting with one of those product structures today and we were trying to tell the story of like what happens if loan goes bad and what it means for investors. And, you know, she said to me, oh, I I really love you and your words. You really, that's what I need. And I think that that's the the value that um, financial communications people can add is taking what is very technical language and and kind of creating a bridge between that um, and and making it into something that the everyday uh, consumer of financial products can understand. I think that's absolutely key. And, and, and one of the things that I frequently go on about on this podcast is something which I think it, it I didn't coin the term. I, I, I saw it on the internet, but I agree with it. It's called the curse of knowledge. And when you work in a particular industry, and, and to be honest, it doesn't matter whether it's just financial services. You, it could be the motor motor industry. You could build cars for a living. But every industry has its own language and its own jargon and its own management speak. And when you work in that industry day in, day out, you become immune to it. It is like learning a new language like French or, or German or whatever. But when you talk to somebody who doesn't understand that language, they haven't a clue what you're talking about. And the way to communicate with the man on the street is to talk in their language, not in 
the language of your industry. And I think that's that's still something that a lot of companies just can't get their heads around. They don't understand why people don't understand what they do. And it does need people like yourself who have that ability to translate, I guess. That's what you're doing, isn't it? Translate from the than the one language to the simple language that the man on the street likes to hear. I agree. And I think one of the reasons that it's challenging is it's actually harder to write something simple than it is to write something complex. I agree with that. And, you know, if, if you think about the best poetry, right, you think about a sonnet. A sonnet is only, what is it, 12 lines? Mm-hmm. I'm trying, to, <laughs> trying to remember my English degree now. Um, you know, it's so there's so much simplicity but complexity packed into those lines and you have to follow certain rules and you have to, you know, have so much being communicated in a really simple and and constrained environment. And the best, most talented poets, you know, the Shakespeare's and the Elizabeth Browning's of the world, they, they got that. Like it's actually far harder to write a sonnet than probably the first act of a Shakespearean play. Mm, mm. And do you think that it, that's one of the reasons why a lot of people just can't do it because it's too difficult? They would. It's actually yeah, really hard. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it's much harder to write like you know website copy than it is to write you know a product description statement, which is our kind of thing that you you give to consumers in Australia. You know, like it's there's it takes a lot of skills, a lot of practice. When I first started in PR and I came out of this really wordy degree where you, you know, you were rewarded for using the most highfalutin words. I used to use words like inextricable and conflict. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I started working for this ex-journalist and she would just tear my writing apart. Every media release I wrote just came back full of red pens. You, you, and, can, you can often spot a press release from a financial services company because it's usually the press release that's about six pages long as opposed to the ones from yeah, other companies yeah. which are one page long. Yeah. And so, you know, that took a long time. And the next the next sort of writing mentor that I had, he he took me. I had written, so I think it was a proposal, and he took me aside and he said, like, this is, this is pretty shit. <laughs> I was like, Really? I thought it was really actually pretty good. It's like your language is so flowery. You need, this is business writing. You need to simplify. You need to get all those words out, get all those adjectives out, you know. And so I think I was having good mentors and then, you know, lots and lots of practice. Like I've been doing this job now for 17 years. Uh, It takes a long time to hone those skills. And I think that's not recognised by people who are focused on the, the technicalities and the complexities of, the product they're selling or, or the fund they're managing or the asset they're kind of trying to control. Yeah, when I was um, working for big corporate, when I was marketing director, even when I was marketing assistant, I was used to have this obsession with simple language and especially one of my biggest books bugbears with was the use of passive language there's a lot oh, of pass- yes. there's a lot of passive language in financial services and i i would always get my red pen out you know and strike it through and try to make it active and i think people used to get really fed up with me they said this is this idiot keeps going on about this 
bloody passive language. I said, well, if you didn't use it, the red pen wouldn't come out, would it? And I spent a long time, and I still do, I still do. Passive language, I just hate it. It's, it's just got no place. Um, but so many financial services companies, particular, and politicians use passive language. I, I think most people who don't have a writing or, or English background wouldn't know the difference no. between passive and active. And they know it when they hear it. Yeah. But uh, it was quite funny today. We were in the kitchen and somebody had messed around with the coffee machine and we knew exactly who it was, but we didn't want to throw any accusations around. And so I said, maybe we should change to the passive voice and say the coffee machine was changed. <laughs> and, and I and the two guys standing there, they literally, I'm sure they had no idea what I meant. <laughs> of course, the, another thing I've picked up on the internet is that the way to spot passive language is if, if you can add the words by zombies to the end of the sentence and ah. it still makes sense, then it's probably the passive. The coffee machine was changed by zombies. The coffee machine was changed by zombies. I, I've, I've, ad, I've adapted that slightly. I used Muppets instead. So the coffee machine was changed by Muppets. It's the same thing, but it, it gets the thing across. Of course, what you want to say is we changed the coffee machine or Dave changed the coffee machine or whatever it was. But we're digressing a little bit. So you're in you're in fi- finance, you're in the finance tower, you're working for a fund manager, you're helping them come up with simpler language to put across a quite a complicated industry. But on the side, on the side, you've developed your own website, the Fierce Girls Guide to Finance. Now, I'm having a look at the website here. It's, it's nicely set out. It says, well, hello there. Welcome to the Fierce Girls Guide to Finance. It's a place to help you get your shit together with money. So it's pretty on point, pretty to the point. How did you develop the idea for Fierce Girls Guide to Finance? Where did it come from, Bella? It was a bit of a, an iterative process, really. So I was working uh, some years back now on this initiative called Financial Literacy Week. And mm-hmm. so as part of that, I ran some in-house still little lunchtime sessions for the PR girls that I worked with. Now, when you're in a big PR agency, they're mainly consumer PR people and there's usually just a little corner of financial or corporate PR girls. I call them girls because it's it's a very young industry usually. Yeah. So I was, you know, I'd sit around the table with all these girls in their, you know, mid to, to late 20s or the early 30s and I, I would tell them really basic stuff and their their minds would be blown and they'd be like wow you you make this, you actually make this sound interesting and then you know it kind of grew out of that and a friend of mine also in PR said maybe we should do a show like and so we it, it sort of started as a video thing and then some months later she decided to selfishly move to the UK and so I thought, I'll do, you know, I'm a writer and it's it's just the medium that I am comfortable in. So I just basically took all the conversations I had with my my girlfriends uh, in, in PR and, and in my friendship group and I sort of put them onto the page. And I, and I did it as though I was literally sitting in a bar explaining asset allocation to you, you know, I'm not going to say the word asset allocation, though. You know, I'm going to say, well, one of my favorite headlines from the site is choosing shares is pretty much like choosing a husband. (laughs) And we talk about, you know, if you get together with someone and they're young and they've got a startup and he might earn 
uh, you, you know, you might end up in a mansion or you may end up on the dole. <laughs> that's a growth stock. That's, that's like a penny dreadful. And then if you get together with someone who's much more older and established um, and, and has, his, has his life together and has some assets already, then that's more like a blue chip. But like <laughs> he's probably not going to go much up from there. Like it's probably going to, you, you kind of know what you're buying, but you're not going to get a lot of upside. So, you know, like I, I take concepts that, I, like everyday concepts that women in my peer group understand and I apply them to financial concepts. Again, it's one of the um, principles that I try to work with my clients on is that, again, getting over that complicated language, I'll say to them, look, imagine you're sat in a pub with a friend, just like you've said there, try explaining your product to them in simple pub language rather than the language of your industry. And again, I think that if you can get your head into that, how would I discuss this with a friend, you will find the simple words and you will get out of that mindset of using the passive language and the complex language and, and the big words and the management speak and all of that stuff. I think that's true, but you also need to sort of map out what it is you're trying to say. Mm. Like if, if I'm thinking of, you know, when I was running media training for clients and I'd have, I mean, portfolio managers are among the most technical people yeah. you're going to meet, right? And trying to, to just help them break down, okay, what's the overarching thing you want to say? Um, you know, if, if I'm only going to remember one thing when I walk out of here, what is it? Okay, that's the roof of your message house. Okay, what are the, what are the three kind of sub points that I would want to remember? And, you know, we workshop through that. And then, you know, what are the supporting points of that? And, and you kind of build this message house and you build it into media training. So a part of it is getting the language right, but the other part of it is creating the structure of your narrative, I guess I'd call it. It's mm -hmm. what is it, what are the different aspects of the message that you're trying to get across? And then how do you kind of build them into a story? Yeah. And what sort of response have you had to the website using those principles, Bella? Obviously, people like it. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I do all of that stuff unconsciously now because I've done it for so long. Yeah. But I, the, the feedback I get is when people come across it or when they someone shares it with their friend, they're like, wow, I, I didn't know that I wanted this to exist, but I really <laughs> want it to exist because... So many, I mean, there's a very strong feminist undercurrent in the website and it's because so many women feel disconnected and disempowered from their finances. They find money to be something to be scared of and something to be, to feel bad about uh, when really I want them to feel like it's a great enabler. It's the facilitator of your dreams and your opportunities. And so I say things like money's not about what you can buy. It's about the opportunities it can give you. Mm. And and so those reframing money from something that's kind of big, bad and scary into something that's positive, empowering and enabling, I think that is what resonates. And what you've got on the website is the fierce girls principles and these are the four principles effectively which which underpin the stuff that you talk about on the website It'd be quite nice just to quickly go through those so number one i hope, I hope this is not a test <laughs> no it's okay it's okay i've got i've got it up on the screen here so number one is the book stops with you 
Yeah. And, you know, it's just this whole thing about it. There's even today, there's a survey that came out in the US recently that said around half of women are sort of still deferring to their partners or their husbands on, on money and mm. just letting them make all the decisions. But, you know, there's only one person that's ever going to care about your money as much as you. And it's you. Yeah. Like nobody, divorces happen. Men or husbands or, or partners, they're never going to have your interest in at heart as much as their own, no matter how much they love you. So you have to be the one and, you know, no financial advisor, no bank manager, nobody's going to care about as much as you. So you have to arm yourself with information so that you can make good decisions. And principle number two is finance is not boring. Oh, I mean, that's obvious, right? <laughs> and I love what it says on the website. Old white guys in suits saying portfolio construction is boring. But understanding how you can turn 100 bucks into 120 bucks with little effort, that's fun. <laughs> and that's it's all about reframing, right? It's yeah. about reframing it. Finance is something that happens in a tower in one block of the CBD and turning that into finance is something that, allows you to buy the house that you want. It's what lets you send your kids to the school that you want. You know, it's it's about giving you the the retirement or semi-retirement that you dreamed of. And if if we can try to get that message out to people more, then I think that we can kind of create a different conversation around money that's not so negative. And principle number three, money is not just about spending. I think you've already alluded to this, but just expand upon it a little bit for me. Well, this comes out of... You know, particularly the young um, professional or, you know, reasonably well-paid women that I've worked with, they they think about, and women are socialised to think about what they're going to buy, yeah. how they're going to spend their money. So when we're sitting around and, as teenagers and we get our first paycheck, we, we're not told like, oh, you know, what, what investment are you going to put that in? <laughs> It's like, oh, my God, I can buy this amazing pair of shoes or, oh, wow, I can go and get this new makeup. And that's okay to some extent. But if you keep in that pattern, if you only think of it as the things you can buy, it's actually, this is where the feminism comes in, right? It's about who you are as a woman and how attractive you are and what you look like and how valuable you are in that way and not, hey, what if I put this money towards my MBA? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's it, it, if you keep spending your money on stuff that's about feeling good or looking good, you're not going to hit the goals that you want that actually get, make you happy and satisfied. And the fourth one is you got this. It's you know, if you can, if you know what it's like to be a woman, right? You can stand there and instantly calculate how many calories you would have eaten for the day how this is going to affect you, what, kid, what, what, if I eat this piece of cake, should I just not have my lunch? Like you can do a lot of complex sums in your mind just around your calorie count for the day. <laughs> so you know what? You can totally run a bank account in a responsible way. And I think that the women have a tendency to second guess themselves on financial matters when actually they're pretty savvy. They just need to think of themselves as like if I can manage that very complex wardrobe and make sure that skirt has something that goes with those shoes and that things you know if I buy that that will work you know there's lots of small decisions we make every day about other stuff so let's make good decisions every day about our money 
I do like these principles, Bella. And it, and, and you said before you've had quite a lot of good feedback on the website. Do you find that the, the, the sort of feedback you get from people is, it's almost like a light bulb moment. Oh, thank you, Bella. You've, you've really just opened my eyes to this whole thing. I hadn't really thought of it like that. You've you've just made me understand that it's, it's something that I should be thinking about. I should be taking ownership of it or does it create quite a lot of follow-up questions obviously you've answered quite a lot of questions as blog posts on the website but what's the sort of um, balance between the feedback that you're getting you know what I actually don't think there's many light bulb moments like sometimes I'll I'll write a post and everyone will be like this is great I love it but it's a really slow burn Mm. because I'm trying I'm trying to change people's thinking about something that they, like I'm trying to change a thought pattern that they've had for a long time, which is money's hard, I don't understand it, investment's boring, all all those kind of negative ideas. So I don't know if there's, you know, one post that spurs people into action. And, And even what I know from financial services marketing, which is, for example, if you're going to change your pension fund, you're probably going to do five different, internet searches over time, like you can have five interactions with a potential fund before you make that decision. Mm. I think it's quite similar with this stuff. Like you, I think you have to hear it quite a lot of times and explained quite a lot of ways before you can go like, yeah, actually might be time to check out what an ETF is. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, let's face it, a lot, uh, we, we have this perception these days, again, in because of the digital world that we live in, you know, you want an instant response to an email, an instant response to a, a WhatsApp message. And the fact is, changing customer attitudes and, and changing generational attitudes takes a long time. And You've got to keep putting out the same message in the same concise, simple-to-understand way for a long time before it does start to uh, light up light bulbs and get people to to make those changes. It can't be done in a couple of blog posts in a couple of weeks. You've got to be in it for the long game, and, and that that's the sort of game you're playing here, I think. Yeah, yeah, and, and you've got to be doing it in different channels too. Like I have done... Uh, articles with you know some women's publications and I've done you know podcasts like this I'm I'm kind of doing it in as many different ways as possible but yeah like I'm swimming against a really strong tide of marketing to women that says you should spend money on your liposuction or (laughs) like your eyebrow what in Australia it's like $120 for eyelash extensions Mm -hmm. so basically Every six weeks, you're spending the equivalent of 60, 60 quid to go and get extra eyelashes put on your eyes. Now, if you have already bought a house and you're paying it off and you're ahead on your mortgage and you're kicking all your financial goals, then yeah, consider that. If you haven't saved a deposit for a home, do not go and make your eyelashes longer. You know, do not go and spend 20 quid getting nails done every three weeks. You know, women lock themselves into all these kind of recurring expenses that take them further away from their goals and they do it in a really unconscious way where it's like, oh, everyone else is doing that. I'm, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I have had fake nails myself that I used <laughs> to spend money on. But, you know, we're fighting a tide of there's so many ways the world wants to part you from your money. And women in particular are susceptible to it because it's bound up with how they look and how the world values them. You're up against a massive, massive global marketing machine here, Bella. (laughs) 
<laughs> I know, but I'm just in my little corner doing a few little things. Like if I just get someone to buy income protection insurance, maybe I won, you know? I think that's why you're a fierce girl, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it, it really is like small, small steps, small change. I'm not saying never go to another beauty salon. I'm not saying that at all. I got a manicure last week. It did cost me $20. Um, I'm saying think about your goals and what's going to get you there and I explain it in ways that makes it achievable and realistic you know all those sort of smart goal concepts it's you know here are the practical tools for trying to achieve your goals and not only that here are the practical tools for helping you realize what your goals are one of the other things I wanted to ask you about as well is a couple of weeks ago on the marketing and finance podcast I interviewed a lady from um, South London uh, called Molly Molly works for a UK independent financial advisor called future proof and she's a 20 something she's heading very fast towards her financial advisors qualification and it was really good to talk to a young girl who was so excited about a career in financial services and actually some of the feedback I had on that particular episode of the podcast and, and the download rates for that particular podcast were amongst the highest I've had. So it does show that it that this sort of conversation does make people sit up and listen. Have you got any advice for women out there who might be thinking about a career in financial services, but again, maybe have this image that it's old guys sort of thing? Well, I'd say do it, you know. <laughs> Certainly one of the most lucrative <laughs> careers you can <laughs> go down but also like my career path shows you don't have to be the one running a portfolio you don't have to use excel spreadsheets every day i actually have a, quite a terror of excel spreadsheets um and i have a rule that if if a calculation requires you to replace a, a number with a letter i i don't go near that mm. there are no equations in my <laughs> in my everyday life <laughs> But, you know, there are lots of different ways to come at finance. So, you, you know, it might be as an advisor, it might be as, uh, you know, an asset manager, but it might be as a communications person or a marketing person. Um, there are lots of different ways to enter the industry. But the other thing I'd say is, like, it is, it, it is tough insofar as, I mean, I was in some roadshows a couple of weeks ago and there was, like, one woman in the room, yeah. you know, from, from the broker side. Um, and another one where there was no women. Um, but I do, I think if you choose the right organisation, it, it helps. So where I work, there's a female CFO and uh, we're, we're actually doing a deal at the moment and there's four people working on the deal and we're all women. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you look for organisations where there are women in the leadership ranks, then that's a really good sign that A, it's attractive mm -hmm. as a place to work and, mm -hmm. and B, you will get support and opportunities to do good work regardless of your gender. So, that I, you know, have a look at who else is there and, it, you know, I, there, there has to be some critical mass, I think, if, if you want it to work. Like not everyone wants to be a pioneer and be like the only woman in the office yeah. who has to listen to football talk every Monday morning. <laughs> like there are other financial services organisations where that's not the case. And, I, and I'm really lucky to work in one of them. I think I'm probably about the one of the only blokes in the entire world at the moment who is not 
glued to the TV all, all the time. I, I absolutely detest football and I, I'm not not watching. <laughs> yeah, I'm are. not watching. In fact, I even had to ask my wife where the World Cup was taking place. I genuinely didn't know that it was in Russia. That's how it, that's how little interest I have in football. Bella, it's been great talking to you today. Um, lots of really interesting stuff and lots of great tips for women about financial services and, and keeping things simple. One of the things I also like to finish the, the show off with is a couple of quick fire questions. And one of the ones I uh, always ask is, is there a marketing campaign or a product, and it doesn't need to be a financial services one, by the way, that's grabbed your attention recently and, and made you think, yeah, I need to buy that, or I really like the advert, or I really like the way they've done that? Oh, I'm obsessed with Elevest, which <laughs> is a financial services, well, like it's a investment product mm-hmm. or investment company in the US that's run basically for women, and they've designed all their investment products um, for women. And they've got, you know, really strong reasoning why, you know, you you have a product that's relevant to women and how it's different. But that she's also like the, the founder, Sally Korczak, is also a really strong supporter of women in financial services, but also, you know, of other financial, uh, sorry, of other businesses. And um, she's really trying to disrupt the, you know, the flow of investment money that goes to women, to, to, to organisations backed by women, uh, because they don't get as much venture capital funding, all that kind of stuff. Like so it's it's a social cause and a really strong social um, feminist kind of enterprise, as well as being a really really good investment product. And is there a business book that you've read recently you'd like to share with the listeners of the Marketing and Finance podcast? Uh, you know, I, I have to admit, I don't read business books. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. You know what? I, I actually listen to a lot of podcasts. And um, tell me about po- love, tell me about a podcast then. The one I love is Lewis Howe's "The School of Greatness," um, and he just interviews really successful people or really interesting people and asks them, you know, what's their key to greatness and I've come across some really great thinkers on that some like really you know people that really make you think differently uh, about your business or about uh, life and you know I think that that's the that's what you want is people that make you sort of question what you're already doing or, or rethink the way that you're already thinking that's a good podcast I listen to that myself and I love the guest as you said very inspirational and finally Bella I'm hoping that people listening to the show might want to get in touch with you so what is the best way that they can connect with you so you can go to the fierce girls guide to finance website which is the url is fiercegirlfinance.com.au and there's a contact form on there, or you can find me on Facebook. It's just Fierce Girl Finance on, on Facebook, and I've got a page. You can send me a message. Fantastic. I shall include links to that on the show notes of the podcast, which you can find at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash M-A-F. That's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash M-A-F. Bella, the fierce girl, thank you so much for coming on the Marketing and Finance podcast. I've really enjoyed getting our shit together with money today and all your advice and all your um, ideas on making finance simpler for people to understand, but particularly more attractive to women. Thanks for coming on the show. Let me wish you every success for the future. I usually say to people, hopefully we can meet up for a coffee in in the next um, few months, but given you're about six and 7,000 miles away, I guess that's probably not on the cards for us this time. I will look you up next time I'm in London. 
um, I can assure you of that. Okay, thanks a lot. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's really nice to be able to have another platform to talk about uh, what Fierce Girls trying to achieve. Hopefully, you know, inspire other people to do similar things. Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. I'll catch you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep marketing your business to keep growing your business.